Blog Talk Radio. Sir, that K Rod had been traded, and um, 
that right there told me that the Mets are definitely in save and rebuild mode because uh, DG, I still don't know who the the Mets got when they traded him to the Brewers. Well, that's why they say it's a player to be named later. It's like you said, you know, today really our main order or our first order of business has got to be the Mets. Um, you know, like you said, when, when Pure Gold went off the air on Tuesday night, about two minutes after that, I heard that there was a big trade, something about K-Rod, and I looked, and there, sure enough, he got traded to uh, to the Milwaukee Brewers for a bag of balls in the case of Miller Lite. You know, I understand <laughs> that K-Rod uh, was out the door, and, you know, truthfully, I don't even have a problem with the Mets trading him, the theory of the Mets trading him, but what they actually did doesn't make sense to me, JB, because if the Mets had, uh, if there were 10 teams that they could trade him to, with the Brewers obviously being one of them, why didn't the Mets wait till two weeks from now to see, you know, what else they can get, wait a little bit more and get a better deal uh, in return? Why trade him for two players to be named later? Apparently the uh, apparently the Brewers have five prospects the Mets can pick from, and uh, the Mets have to pick two of them. I just uh, These players to be t- named later trades never make any sense to me because normally – you know, your team doesn't get much anyway, so I don't, you know, I'm hoping it'll be something decent, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see, sir. I, I agree with you. The only reasoning I could have, and um, unless you could think of another one, if you're the Mets, you're thinking, like, first first team that wants to get this uh, contract off of our plate, let's just trade him for whoever. So it seems like they it was a money move more than anything, DG. It was like, let's get rid of this uh, contract, this, what is it, $13 million bonus if he exceeds a certain amount of innings? I believe something in that neighborhood. Uh, you know, today, this year is about 17 and a half, and the Mets were, I think, on the hook for another five, so they paid that. But the, they also didn't have to pay the vesting option and not the option year, so that's a plus. And I, like I said, I understand the theory of it, but I don't understand why do it right now. Why not wait a couple of weeks? Maybe get something better in return, sir. I honestly don't understand. Yeah, if you were going to get a bag of balls and uh, two prospects, I guess you could have definitely waited. Um, unless, you know, the Mets have scattered out the Brewers and they know that. You know, there are five prospects. Two of them are going to really pan out. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they did their homework so much that they, they know that one of these f- prospects are going to be the real deal. I mean, that's all I could think of. Yeah, I really, really, really doubt that um, the Mets know Jack when it comes to prospects. And the truth of the matter is that, you know, the the Brewers traded away their best prospects when they got Zach Greinke and uh, Sean Markham over, you know, from the Royals and the, and the Blue Jays. So I can't imagine their prospects are that great. Yeah. Now, folks, again, once again, this is Pure Gold Extra, 714-364-4721. DG, I know you hit up a bunch of um, Mets fans on some message boards, so hopefully get their take on this tonight as well. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully, uh, yeah, we have uh, the message boards. We have uh, New Mets era. We have True Mets fans. We have another True Mets fans. And, you know, we have a couple of different groups that that we're a part of, uh, you know, two different groups with the same name, oddly enough. (laughs) But, um you know, and we also hit up some people over on Wrestling Commentary Central and Wrestling Extreme Club, trying to get some some fan feedback here. You know, as as we get into the whole K Rod thing, and of course, in the future we will have, in you know, future being earlier, you know, a little later on the show, we're going to get into some talk about The Rock. We're going to get into some talk about John Cena or John Cessna, as we like to say. So it's going to be some good stuff. Yep, and uh, does you know with the Mets. I mean, I, I'm going to have to clearly say that this is the start of a fire sale. Um, Carlos Beltran, would you say he's next? Because I, I think it's pretty obvious, definitely, maybe, he is next to go. Yeah, I, I would have to say that, um, you know, being that we have a fellow... <laughs> sorry, what's, what's interesting to me, uh, Joe, you know, uh, this is something I've been thinking about. 
you know, our fellow Mets surfers, they seem to be on the uh, some of that good Harry Potter emphasis <laughs> on the first three letters, or Barry Potter, because, you know, right. usually Mets fans are the most unrealistic and the most delusional people on the face of the earth. Um, you know, you talk about Carlos Beltran, obviously, definitely, maybe. I don't want them to get rid of Beltran. He's a great player. He's done a great job. He's a power hitter. He's got the he's, – he's free. He's been wiped out, let's be honest, sir. He's been healthy. You know, I was looking at some of his stats, actually, and the truth of the matter is that people kind of over – they overburden the fact that Beltran's been, you know, injured and whatnot. You know, he's not – he's definitely not Jose Reyes, but, you know, let me mention this to you here, sir. Um, I still stand by, you know, wishing – this is my, my feeling, my gut feeling. I wish the Mets could give him a two-year deal because the fact of the matter is that, you know, he, he can still hit. You know, Beltran is a tailor-made American leaguer at this point in his career, uh, though, so maybe moving that uh, the National League would be the best thing for him. He's been very productive when healthy, and really, oh, the last two years he, he played part-time because of injury, but before that, he played he played about 140 games, minimum 140 games in nine of ten full seasons, and the year that he didn't was the year that he played 98 games. So Beltran has been healthy most of his year career, and when he is healthy, he's productive, sir. You know, he's played more already this year than 09 and 08, uh, 09 and, and 2010, sorry. So he's on track with good health, and, you know, he's the best of the bunch that's going to be available for any contending team. I honestly think that the Mets can get a really good prospect for him if they play their cards right, sir. Yeah, I agree with you. And, like, you know, the more and more I thought about it, though, I, I want to disagree with you in terms of signing him to a two-year deal. I just feel like he spent enough time on the Mets, and I don't want to get burned again if we sign him to a two-year deal and all of a sudden – he was really playing for a contract, and now he's going to sit down because his knees bother him, or he overworked the knee in 2011. So I'm kind of done with him. If I could get a good prospect or two for Carlos Beltran, I think I'm going to do that if I'm Sandy Olson. Yeah, I, honestly, you know, the truth is, like I said, he's tailor-made for the American League, but I've heard a lot of talk that the, the Giants are interested in him. As a matter of fact, even uh, Brian Wilson, the relief pitcher, the closer, mentioned it at the All-Star game. And, you know, what do you think about that, sir? The, uh, a pitcher from another team talking about how, you know, they can't, they'd love to get Beltran. <laughs> That's interesting. I mean, would you would you consider that strongly? It, depending on what they gave up. Apparently the the, um, the Giants have quite a good farm. Um, they have quite a good farm system. They have a top a prospect pitcher. I forget the name exactly, but, um, you know, they were talking about it yesterday on the fan. And, uh, you know, if the Mets can get something great, like a, like a top-notch pitcher, I would go for it. I, I would absolutely go for it in a heartbeat, sir. Um, but, you know, I like Beltran. I just, you know, even though he had that 2006 with the uh, the infamous, you know, called third strike looking to end the, the season for the Mets, I'm a big fan of his, and I think that he can still be productive. And I'm hoping that, you know, it'll be the Mets uniform. But, I mean, let's be realistic here. K-Rod was the first to go. I don't know if I'd call this an out, out fire sale. This is not the you know the Marlins after they won the World Series, but sir, I I don't see him staying here. The truth is though, I if I can get a great prospect, a top prospect, or even you know a very good one, I, I'd go for it. I'd like a pitcher because the Mets obviously need pitching, sir. I mean, let's let's call the Mets what they are. I think and the stadium. That stadium is not conducive to you know like um like the New York Yankees. You know you don't want a bunch of guys that hit homers. You want guys to hit the ball and you produce runs, not via the home run in City Field. The way to build a championship team in City Field is to build it around starting pitching. And I think if the Mets get a good team, a good scrappy team, maybe a couple, you know, one or two guys that can hit home runs, like a la David Wright if they keep him, um, uh -huh. then they'll be, well, yeah, they'll well, be sir, fine, I think. 
the, the Mets have a scrappy team, but the problem is the talent. If you look, sir, let, let's be realistic here. If you look at this team as a whole, we weren't expecting much this season. But if the Mets had a healthy David Wright, if they had a healthy Ike Davis in the lineup, and if they had Jason Bay, what do you say hitting as he's capable of hitting? You know, they already have Beltran tearing the cover off the ball. Reyes will hopefully be back off injury next week. If not, he'll never come back and his career will be over, as it seems to be the case for the Mets. But, you know, the Mets would have a very potent offense. Unfortunately, that's not the case. And like I said, we didn't expect much from this team, but let's be realistic here. The Mets, the Mets are one game over 500. Yeah, they, they were 5-13 and 13 to start out the year, and now they're 10 games over 500 since then. But that 5-13 and 13 start, folks, it still counts. And let's calm down again because they're only one game over 500. You can't erase the 5-13 and 13 start as much as you might want to. So, you know, the Mets are a team that isn't super talented. Um, they have guts. They're, they're a good team. I like them. They're scrappy, but they're, they're not a championship team. They're not a contending team. And anybody who thinks that they are is, is, is on the Harry Potter because there's no, there's no other way to put it, sir. They're either smoking the Harry Potter or the Dickie Pipe, as our friend ever would say. Yeah, I don't know about friend anymore, but let's, <laughs> let's not go there. <laughs> um, you know, I, I know that Sandy Alderson would go on, on the record and say that it's not waving the white flag, but you know, getting ready to care. But what else could it be? You don't trade your closer. Your, your clo- you know, and Mets fans go nuts, right? Mets fans say, oh, you know, I, I was looking at some posts and some comments and stuff. Again, people who shall remain nameless. But people were saying something to the effect of like, oh, you know, the Mets are better off without K-Rod and this and that. How can anybody think that the Mets are actually better off without a, a top-notch closer? You know, and, and the other thing, too, is, do Mets fans forget that they've ne- we've never had a good closer? We've never had an excellent closer? And, you know, for everybody's going to get up in arms about John Franco, how nuts did John Franco drive you? Does anybody remember uh, Braden Looper? How about our all-time favorite, Armando Benitez? You know what? We live in the shadow of Big Brother and, you know, the greatest reliever to ever throw a ball and to put on a, a pair of uh, pinstripes in Mariano Rivera. So we as Mets fans can never compare anyone that we have as a closer to Mariano. But, you know, K-Rod was as effective as could be, sir. You know, he's one of the best closers in the game at 23 saves, only three blown saves, with a 3.16 ERA. And let's be honest with you, on this team, that's not bad. That's not bad at all. And when you look at the offense that this team had and um, the the ability for K-Rod to only have three blown saves is pretty incredible. And, again, it's hard to – you know, we always compare – uh, our closer to the greatest closer of all time. I think that's not fair to the Mets uh, organization because you can't compare any closer to Mariano, Mariano Rivera because he is the greatest of all time. And there's nobody, you know, there's nobody like him. So aside from Rivera, K. Rod is like the top. I would say in the top three closers in the in the game right now. Absolutely, and I got people over here telling me that he's unreliable. Well, you know what? You're unreliable. What do you think about that? There, you can't, he got three blown saves. He's a Met closer. There's not too much better out there. Brian Wilson is better, yeah. But can you tell me anybody who's head and shoulders better than him? I mean, you know, come on. Let, let's be realistic, folks. You know, and then let's just talk about, oh, Bobby Parnell is going to close. Bobby Parnell has never closed in his life in terms of the major leagues. Bobby Parnell, can he throw 101 miles an hour? Yeah, but like like I always say, as I always say, um, you know, potential on a dollar will buy you a cup of coffee. Well, nowadays, I guess $1.75 or so. The truth is that Bobby Parnell has proven nothing. Bobby Parnell is just nothing but an arm. You can't 
say under any circumstance that you can rely on him. He's not gonna. He's gonna probably gonna fold in the pennant race. And as a matter of fact, I heard Terry Collins today and the fans talking that it's gonna be kind of a closer by committee thing. Yeah, you figure over time, given enough time, that they're gonna they're gonna be able to just settle down on one person, one closer. But you know, they had Jason Isringhausen who's closed in the past, but he's coming off of you know whatever being a fat mess. I think he's gonna he'll get the job done in the short term. But we can't rely on Parnell. I don't know Pedro Biato in terms of, uh, you know, getting their whole situation together. But, you know, you can't say with any certainty that these guys are going to be any good. You really can't. And, again, the team has so many question marks. So uh, we haven't seen the final product, DG. So let's uh, – so far I think that this regime, compared to the, the regime before this, has done a much better job in terms of uh, on-the-field and off-the-field decisions. So, again, it's not the final product. So trading K-Rod is just the first step, it seems, in terms of you know them making some off-season moves already. Um, so let's give them some credit and some benefit of the doubt. Oh, absolutely. You know, I love I love uh, what Sandy Olsen has done with the limited budget. Amazingly, you know, the Mets, as if they're a small market team with their limited budget, but, of course, the the, Wolf, the Wolpons and you know, their situation, you got to take that into account. But, you know, I just don't understand Mets fans sometimes, sir. I, I really don't. I, I don't think that there's any there's any way you could look at this team and say they're going anywhere. For those people who think the Mets are going to win the World Series, like our, our special friend who called us on uh, on Tuesday, you know, you got to be you got to be on drugs. Get off the Harry Potter, please. Let it go. You know, again, we can hope that when Beltran gets traded, the Mets can get a good prospect for him. And uh, we hope that Reyes' injury lowers his trade value. I mean, not a straight value, value in the offseason, and the Mets can get him at a cheaper rate, sir. Yeah, and hope for Ike Davis and David Wright to come back ASAP, which, you know, uh, I think David Wright's expected to come back at the end of the month, July 25th or 27th, and Ike Davis continues. You know, these injuries continue to baffle any fan, not only Mets fans, but any fan. I mean, th- these guys collided in front of the pitching mound, and they still haven't played. It's, it's just incredible sometimes to be a Mets fan. Yeah, well, I heard that Ike Davis actually got his uh, leg amputated, so I'm not sure how accurate that is, sir. But uh, those those seem to be the rumors. I I don't get what happens with this team. I really don't. I don't understand how these injuries uh, happen. But you know what? We we've talked about that part of the the, the equation enough. You know, yeah. injury this, injury that. So let's let's just move on from that, sir. You know, the other thing I wanted to talk about since this is PG extra, so we're gonna try to keep it a, a bit more abbreviated than we normally would. Um, you know, we've talked about some mess. If we get any call, callers at uh, 714-364-4721, of course, to, you know, check us out um, and to, to chime in, we'll go back to the Mets. But apparently, sir, since today is more of a nugget extravaganza, I was reading that uh, Christian Lopez, the guy who caught the Derek Jeter 3,000 hit, apparently yeah. he's not going to be totally broke after all. According to some reports that I read, a Miller High Life has – this is, again, the this is what the Mets got from uh, – from uh, the Brewers. They got a case of Miller Light and all that stuff. But Miller High Life has offered to pay any taxes that he might incur from his gift that he got from the Yankees. There was some reports saying it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 44000 apparently, but what I heard, it was it was just thirty two. Um, Modell's also putting together a program in place to help pay for any costs that might come his way. And I also read that Tops, I don't know, this one doesn't make sense to me, but that Tops is planning on making a, a baseball card for him, sir. <laughs> what? Yeah, um, I don't know if it's him and Jeter, if it's him by himself, I, him in a, in a baseball uniform. I have no idea why or what, but yeah, apparently this uh, tops wants to make a card for this goof. Uh, excuse me for this uh, fine gentleman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
it's it's weird because like again this this guy had every uh, he was entitled to keep the ball and sell to the highest bidder. He decided to give it back to Jeter, and then all this backlash about paying taxes on the luxury that the New York Yankees were going to give him. So I, I guess in a way he was rewarded by you know the man above by getting all these different companies now wanting to wanted a piece of this guy, and uh, I'm guessing that you know it's going to work out for him. I absolutely agree, sir. One hundred percent, I agree. You know, and you know he's doing he, he did he did what he felt to be the right thing. So we can't really rag on him for that. But uh, you know, he sounds like a big old you know what, sir. Um, moving on from that though, and I guess in our last baseball nugget again, without the uh, the callers calling in yet, um, we uh, we need to talk about this briefly. Apparently, after all the hype, all the craziness, and this thing dragging out for what seemed like an eternity. The judge of the Roger Clemens, the rocket, and Steinbrenner's box, he declared a mistrial after the prosecution showed a video clip of Andy Pettit's wife that the judge ordered not to be used in the first place. Did you hear about that, sir? I did hear about that. I mean, do you want me to rant on this, or do you want to, oh, please, you want no, to take no, it away? Please, take over, sir. I want to hear you rant. Go nuts. Go, go to town, sir. I'm- I mean, this guy, Roger Clemens, uh, I mean, I could not believe when I heard that there was a mistrial and they're going to they're gonna see if they're going to retry it by September 2nd. I mean, this guy is the scum of the earth. I couldn't stand him back in 2000. <laughs> I couldn't stand him back in 2000, but then again, I, I didn't understand why Mike Piazza just didn't charge the mound after, you know, Roger Clemens took the piece of the bat that was shard off and threw it back at him. I I mean, that would have been the time to charge him down and beat the crap out of Roger Clemens because Roger Clemens is the scum of the earth. He, I mean, I, I can't believe there's a mistrial on this. It, it it reminds me of a Soprano episode where, like, Roger Clemens is Tony Soprano and he paid off, like, the judge and uh, made sure that there was a mistrial. How does this happen? I have no clue. Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire... Anyone else that lied in front of the uh, in front of the federal court, or you know, in front of the federal officials, they should not be allowed in the Hall of Fame. That's how I feel. <laughs> wow, well, uh, is there anything else, sir? You know, as a matter of fact, sir, before we move on from that, I believe we have a caller on the line, and if I'm not mistaken, it's our old buddy uh, Dom from Hicksville. Dom, how you doing, sir? Hey, how are you guys today? We're hey, Dom. We're doing wonderful, you, sir. Hey. What uh, what's on your mind? Not the uh, with the Mets. Um, you know, I I, I agree that th- this is not a fire sale. This is these are expected moves. Yeah. You know, you had to get rid of K Rod because of his option. And after, I think after Beltron, it, you know, Beltron's next to go because you're not going to get nothing for him if you keep him. Because the Mets are not going to make the playoffs. I I love the Mets. I love the way they played this year, but. You know, Atlanta is in a different league than the Mets. I, I, there's just no two ways about it. Wait, you know, they are? I thought they were in the National League East. No, as far <laughs> as quality. <laughs> I wish they were in a different league. <laughs> I'd love to see them in the AL East, Dom, not the let me, ask you, let me ask you a question, since you sound like yeah. you're actually a realistic, sane Mets fan. I know you said that the Mets, uh, it was an expected move, but do you think the Mets are a better team? Let, let, let's look at the facts. Do you think the Mets are a better team talent-wise without K-Rod, like some Mets fans seem to think? No. Uh, it, it, with K-Rod, Mets are a, a much better team. You know, he, uh, like, you, like you said, he, he's he's the, the Mets' like first legitimate closer in 
God Have, knows, you know, I don't know how many years, probably forever. Yeah, you know, and yeah, you know, at least you know, yeah, he he gave you fits, but he closed the game. Yeah, you know, unlike uh, you know Benitez, who gave you fits and then lost the game. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, but in the long run, you got to look at the way I look at it right now. It's it's 2013. That's what you have to look at. You know, because there's no other way around it. You, you, you know, this team is so. You know, the, the minor leagues aren't that good. You know, they don't have really nobody coming up. The the guys that they got that came up this year, they played great. They, you know, I, I love the Mets right now. They're, they're scrappy. They're, they're never out of it. They're going to fight every single out. You know, yeah. So, you know, it, hey, it's, it's better than last year when they won, what, like seven games in July. <laughs> it was like a disaster. <laughs> and But you got, you know – you know, Mets fans—they're unrealistic. They're, you know, they—they were like, "Oh my God, the season's over." Eh, no, the season was over last week too. You know, I'm sorry, you're not going to catch Atlanta because they're so good. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got other and teams Ma- ahead of you. It's not like you right. have to catch Atlanta. You have to catch Atlanta and and other teams. Right. So the Mets can't be too disappointed, or Mets fans can't be too disappointed when this. Uh, not the fire sale, but when they decide that Carlos Beltran is better off on a different team and they get some people that, for like you said, 2013, they can't be too disappointed when this happens in a couple of weeks. No. Like I said, after Beltran, yeah, then we'll see. If they get rid of Reyes, I'll be disappointed. Even with all his injuries and stuff, he's still an exciting player. He's still somebody that he's perfect for City Field, um, even though I think they're going to bring in the fences next year, which is I we hope. Well, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, but I think it's a wrong move only because, listen, power hitters cost a lot of money. Uh, you know, that's that's where all the money goes to, and Mets are broke right now. So, why not bring in some singles hitters? Bring in, you know, people. <laughs> singles hitters? Don't they have a bunch of singles hitters now? I understand yeah, but, that. Yeah, you know, like if you could trade for like, hey, if if the if the Mets could trade Beltran to the Yankees for Gardner, that'd be perfect to me. You know, you're getting and you, and you keep Reyes, so then you have a great one-two punch. Uh, um, I, you know who like the Mets did in eighty, like say eighty-four, eighty-five. Um, you know, they they got their pitching staff together. They had to have almost the same plan, and then bring in they brought in Keith Hernandez for for defense and for leadership, and they brought in Gary Carter for power, and and that's the type of thing. But they had. All the little guys in place. They had the Dykes's. They had the Wally Backmans. They had the pitching staff. They, you know, they had a good bullpen. So they had everything in place, and all they needed was a big power hitter. You yeah. know, they they needed leadership and power hitters, and and they had to have like almost the same plan. I agree with that, Dom. And obviously, you know, the Mets. Joe said it earlier. The Mets really are and should be suited to their ballpark. I, I don't know if if making City Field the dimensions that it was and the you know thirty-seven foot high fences was a great idea, but the fact is it's in place, you know, don't mess with the ballparks. I was kind of messing on that angle, but the Mets definitely need somebody like Reyes, even even the Gardner, for example, somebody like that who has speed and is going to hit doubles and triples, and the Mets really need to, to uh, shore up their, their pitching, because right now, yeah, Dylan G is doing good, but look at Pelfrey, look at, you know, their bullpen now without K-Rod in the back end, it's, it's markedly worse than it was before, so we can only hope that, that the Mets can be in contention for next year. But, you know, I definitely hope this doesn't turn into some type of uh, fire sale, sir. Yeah, I, what I say, if, if after Beltron, 
then you're if they start trading trading Reyes and Palfrey and start getting rid of everybody, that means they're breaking the team down all the way. Yeah. And they're gonna start over. But I, I don't think they're gonna do that. I think they're gonna get rid of Beltron because right now his value is really high. You got a couple of teams, San Francisco's dying for him, Boston is dying for him, and, and you got other teams like you know, people aren't talking about it, but Cleveland is a is a perfect spot for Beltron. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're a young team. They need a power hitter. They need some leadership, and they have a lot of young pitches that they can, you know, give to the Mets. Yeah. So that, that, that and, and, and to tell their fans, hey, we're in it for for the for this year. We're going to go yeah. for it. Definitely. And Dom, you know, like I said, I I just think Mets fans are a little overreacting, and they a little <laughs> a little pie in the sky, thinking that we were better than we were. Yeah. I agree with that, Dom, definitely. And as always, you know, it's a pleasure. We we thank you for calling in. And, of course, uh, you know, feel free to call in next time. We're glad to see that there's uh, there's at least one other rational Mets fan out there on the planet. It's not just me and Joe. <laughs> uh, you guys have a great night. All right, Dom. You too, Dom. That was the one only Dominic and Hicks. And from one rational, uh, how should I say, intelligent Mets fan, but not only intelligent, informed, let's go to another one, our old buddy, my old chauffeur, Mitch. From Fort Lee. Mitch, how you doing, sir? How you doing, boys? Been a while. Hey, Mitch. <laughs> yeah, listen, uh, give us your thoughts, man. Let's get right into it. What do you think about this uh, this K-Rod situation? Well, Dom may have raised some, some good points. Um, first off, I don't think it's wrong for Mets fans to go into the season. And when you're hovering around 500, have that hope that, you know, if we can get high, if we can put a streak together, um, we got a shot at the wild card. There's nothing wrong with that because that's what that's what the game is about. You watch the game because you love the Mets and, and you want them to you know to, to do well. You want you want your team to win. I mean, yeah. other than Dave, sometimes I don't know of any Mets fan that really wants the Mets to lose. But he, <laughs> I know he does that when he gets when he gets frustrated. I so know, I'll, I'll give him that. Hold on a second. In my own defense, it's not that I want the Mets to lose, but I've been a Mets fan since I was in diapers, since I could remember. You are got to have a couple of years on me, so you remember '86. I don't. You know what I remember yeah. is. The Mets losing every year. I remember us going to the 2006 uh, NLCS game two. We're all the work talking about, you know, getting the tickets, printing them up for the World Series, and look at us now, five years later, still in the toilet, and you know, messing yeah. game over 500. So I'm more realistic. I don't know if you could have gone into the season though realistically and thought the Mets were going to do anything, Mitch. Uh, I did. Naive enough as that, as that sounds, you 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 want to have an eye on the future. And yeah, you brought in Sandy Alderson, and, and we had some 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 good feeling with that. And, and uh, we're going to build a team for the future. It doesn't mean you 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 trash the the upcoming two or three years because you want to build for the future. I mean, you can build very quickly now um, with free agency. And I obviously uh, the Mets are in a, in a situation that that's not uh, it's easier said than done. But at the same time, that that hope hope springs eternal, you know. So it's always there with with the idea that let's let's use these guys. Compete as much as we can this year, knowing that um, K Rod's not going to get his 50 appearances, and, and Beltran's not going to be here next year, and you're looking at almost 30 million dollars right there. Um, with the trade of K Rod the other day, and I, I agree with with what you guys are saying. What Dominic was saying, yeah, I think I think Beltran's not far behind, and that's I don't I don't know that you're you're, you're raising a white flag on the season, but it's it's time to um, you know one game over 500 at the All Star break with, with the Phillies in first and the Braves surging. Uh, you know, I don't know that there's a lot, a lot of room to go. Doesn't mean I'm not, I'm not hopeful, but um, 
I'll, I'll be a realist, Dave. You know, and, and, and tribute to you, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to reality for a little bit, um, <laughs> and we'll see where we're going. But the, the key for me is is uh, is to sign Jose Reyes, and I think they're going to do that. I think they made this move on on K. Red. I think you're going to see Beltran gone by the 31st, <laughs> and I think all this has uh, plays into to signing Reyes to a long-term contract, and and you have to, you almost have to do it. Um, yeah. who, who's out there that's as good that's available? And why go get somebody else when he's your guy that you, you brought him up from the minors? Um, and and, and, I, like and I, I like what Sandy's doing. There's a, there's a lot of work to do, but, but this is where we are right now. It doesn't mean I'm not going to enjoy the season or hope that, you know, what the heck, something might happen, but at the same time, um, I think these are the things you have to do to, uh, if you want to get better for the next couple of years. I'm, I'm dying to see the, the, the Mets um, infield, all, all Mets farm prospects. And maybe even Fernando Martinez oh. in the outfield. So you're going to have six of your nine starters um, all from the Mets. You know, that's something that I want to see. Um, I think what you need. I think what you need to do, Mitch, too, is if you're going to keep Jose Reyes, is that, like I said before, you're going to want to build a team that's conducive to your ballpark. And I think that they really have to look at their starting pitching and decide that who needs to go. And I think Pelfrey is so schizophrenic that I think he can't be relied on anymore. So. I think you try to re-sign Reyes, you try to get yourself a closer, and then you build yourself a, a great starting pitching, and you got a good scrappy team that doesn't hit home runs but knows how to produce runs. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree about Palf. I, I like him, but um, it's time that it's time to stand up. He hasn't done it yet. He's shown flashes, but but remember, Ali Ali Perez showed flashes too. So are we going to go down that road? Oh, please. I, please. I had enough. Let, <laughs> let's not talk about Ali Perez. Let, let's not even mention this bill ever again on this show. Because I remember telling you, uh, was it the 08 season or the 09 season when the Mets signed him? I was like, this guy cannot, under any circumstances, get ever, ever, ever get a contract. And what did the Mets do? Three years? Or like 50, was it $10 million a year? I think it was $30 million. I mean, it, it, it's a disgrace. An absolute disgrace. So you think... Uh, you think you honestly think that the Mets? I know you said that Beltran would be the next to go, but do you think the Mets are going to get anything for him? Anything good at least? They if they if they go to San Francisco and Frisco has uh, a lot of people talking, but Frisco wants him wants him bad. Um, and I think he wants to go there. Sorry. No, I said the the, the Giants need offense desperately. Yeah, yeah, he's he's uh, he's doing the job right now. You might you might see a surge like when when Kansas City traded him to uh, the Astros. You may see something there. I think that's what the Giants are looking for to get back. Uh, I mean, they're in the first place. I mean, just to, to solidify their position. I think they said that kid Wheeler was going to be part of the deal, or the Mets are looking for him, and, and uh, he's a top pitching prospect. So, so why not? Uh, they're really doing it for the money. The money's going to go towards Reyes. You've got some guys under contract next year. You got Santana coming back. At worst, he'll be back next year. You may see him this year. Um, he's still going to be a top quality guy once he's healthy. So. Um, I think you let you let uh, you let Beltran go. You ready to K Ryan. Beltran's gonna go and you, you have to put all your eggs towards towards keeping Reyes. Because then who's gonna be your catalyst? Who's gonna generate your offense without a guy like Reyes, you know? Thank and you and to a point that you mentioned, Joe, about about the stadium, if you watch the um the series uh, against the Yankees before the break, they put that graphic up where uh Yankee Stadium over City Field and the Yankees leading baseball with home runs yet half Literally, half of the home runs they hit at Yankee Stadium this year would not be home runs at City Field. So yeah. it's something to be said about about that type of ballpark. Look at the Phillies, look at the Yankees, both in first place, both playing a matchbox, or a bandbox as they call it. Yeah. Um, now, is that the only reason they're in first place? No, they're both very good teams. But you think that would help? 
I mean, that, yep. that place is huge. It's intimidating. You've got you had one of the top power hitters in baseball who, who can't who is afraid of his own shadow in that place. So <laughs> would I, you I don't be know talking what they're doing about, with the fence. Are we talking about Mr. Jason Bay? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Mitch, yes, let, me, would, Dave. let me tell you this. I honestly think what the Mets need to do is they need to go find him under a rock, bring back Ray Ordonez, let Reyes go, and they can put Ordonez at the top of the lineup. I mean, the bottom of the lineup to be the to be the catalyst for this team. You know what's interesting is the Mets actually have the most uh, walks, I think, in all of baseball, if I'm not mistaken. So the Mets are doing what they never did before. But like you said, it's it's that power, that lack of power. E- even if, you know, our boy Davis, Ike Davis, if he ever comes back, if he comes back with, with two complete legs, because um, I heard he might be under surgery right now, uh, getting his toes removed, he's hitting 450-foot bombs. He can hit home runs out of anywhere. You know, and then you yeah. have guys like uh, Adam Dunn, for example. I was reading today, he's hitting like 187. He was a big power hitter. He can't hit the ball out of any ballpark. So you, you just don't know. Bay, Bay is a disaster. they got to have to call that one a, a wash. But we can hope that the Mets can get some offense in here, but I think they're going to have to just, you know, tailor their team to speed and, uh, and defense and pitching. And, you know, the, the home runs will come once in a blue, as it were. Yeah. Well, definitely pitching. This is um... – the steroid era is ending. Um, any any substance and uh, performance enhancing substance are empty, ending as well. You're going to see the, the pitchers become dominant again. So um, pitching will be a premium, and that's where I think you see a lot of the money go, as opposed to like Joe said earlier, power hitters. But um, I mean, I, they, I, Hernandez had a good point earlier in the season on the broadcast about why. Why the different size walls and why, you know, they jut in and jut out and, and the Pepsi porch overhangs right field and it actually can hit the, hit the facade on the porch and not be a home run. I mean, that, 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 that's kind of silly. Um, you yeah, know, he had a good point. Make the, make the fence six feet or seven feet and make it uh, uniform across the outfield. Why, why do you have, the, why do you have that, that right center cavern that's, that's 420 feet? I mean, is that really necessary? Um, um, it's definitely not. It helps Reyes with his, with his triples, but that's about it, you know. Reyes is going to get a triple uh, anywhere he plays. That's how fast he is. You and I watch games at Shea Stadium countless times, and, and uh, you know, if he gets the ball in the gap, he's going to get a triple. That's how good he is. You don't have to have uh, that extra that extra footage out in the outfield to get it for him. Um, yeah, but the, I, I agree pitching, with that. Pitching and defense. I like Terry Collins. I really, I really thought it was going to be a, a disappointment. I thought he was out of baseball too long. The fact that they gave him a two-year deal to me says they, they didn't really think he was going to do much. They were keeping his seat warm for Wally Backman. I, but, I agree with that. But he's really got these guys playing. He's got them believing. He, he seems like a, he's, he, he's learned a lot in the time away from ball from baseball and, and his time with the Angels, and, and, he, and he knows how to deal with each player individually, which I think was, uh, was Torrey's strength. I don't think Joe Torrey was, was this great tactical manager. Agreed. I think he knew what to tell what each guy. Everybody's got a different story. Some guys need a kick in the butt. Some guys need a pat on the back, and he knew what to say to each guy. They said that about Parcells going over to football, where he where he knew exactly what to tell each guy to get him to play. Yeah, and I, I think Terry's learned that, and that could be a big help. And it's I think they're they're playing as well as they have. I mean, let's not get crazy. It's one game over five hundred, but they're playing as well <laughs> as they have because of yeah, definitely because of him, and to a large definitely. degree, you know. I agree with that, Mitch. You know, as always, it's a pleasure having you call in. Uh, you know, folks, that was Mitch with our Mets report. Mitch Coleman, brother of Ed Coleman. <laughs> But you're right, man. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, you made some good points as usual. And, uh, you know, you've, uh, as, as always, you've proved to be, uh, you know, you try to be uh, optimistic with our pessimism. So we appreciate that, Mitch. And, of course, as always, you know, call in whenever you, uh, whenever you feel inspired, sir. I will. I will do that. 
It's always a pleasure, right, you guys. Yeah, have a good one. Thanks. Have a good night, guys. Folks, there's one only Mitch from uh, Fort Lee calling, and you know, Mitch. Mitch made some good points. Sir Terry Collins has been an excellent manager, and I completely agree with his statement that the two-year deal was just keeping the seat warm for Backman. And I think at the time, a lot of Mets fans probably liked it. I don't think any of us really expected Collins to be this good of a manager. And yeah, all right, it is one game over 500, like we said, but. I mean, still, he he's done a good job. So there's no doubt. He's definitely no doubt, hands down, a better manager than either Willie. That's a lot of meat, Randolph or uh, Jerry. Uh, I'm gonna shank you, Emmanuel. I think that he's done such a good job that if this team finishes above 500, he should get some strong consideration, if not win the Manager of the Year. I agree. I think he should win the Manager of the Year in both leagues, sir. I agree with that too. I mean. It's also good to see Dominic and Mitch calling in because there are some realistic Mets fans out there, DG. It is, and interesting that they both had, you know, basically uh, differing opinions. But, uh, you know, Mitch, as always, is a, is a knowledgeable baseball fan, and you know, he's our Mets beat reporter secretly. We just uh, He doesn't know it. And, of course, Dom calling in. He called in on Tuesday and wasn't able to get through because uh, the lines were so backed up like a like a leaky faucet. But aside from that, sir, you know, it, it's a, we have to be we have to be realistic. We have to be you know optimistic and pessimistic at the same time because we're Mets fans. Because what do we expect? You know what have the Mets given us? You know there's just no there's no other way to, there's no other way to put it. I love this team. I'm gonna love this team. My kids will be forced into Mets slavery the way that I have been. My wife doesn't like that, but you know what? This is one. I gotta put my foot down on this one, sir. If if you're gonna suffer, Sabrina's gonna suffer. That's it. There's there's no ifs ands or buts about it. The only thing I have to say is that I will not go to a game while. You know, I, I'll be a Mets suffering fan, but I'm not going to dish out my hard-earned money on a team that I feel is not going to be able to contend for the World Series. Well, I don't think you – I think you're such a cheapskate that you wouldn't dish out your money even if it was free or if somebody gave you the tickets because if I remember correctly, you pawned off some tickets on me earlier this year because uh, you didn't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. And I think the Mets and the, uh, the Somerset Patriots have some similarities. Do you know that tomorrow night is fireworks night at City Field? Um, yeah, actually, uh, I did know that, and uh, you know that every night is fireworks night with the Somerset Patriots, except, of course, July 4th. Let's not forget that. <laughs> yeah, that boggles my mind. <laughs> yeah, sir, there's there's no, no ifs, ands, or buts about that, but, uh, you know, some good talk here, some good Mets talk, and, of course, if you'd like to chime in, that number is 714-364-4721, of course, where we'd like to have you, uh, you know, give your opinion, good, bad, or indifferent, or ugly, Whoever it may be, whether it's Mitch, you know, the optimistic Mets fan, whether it's Dominic, the more uh, realistic Mets fan like us, and, uh, you know, guys can have pie in the sky, whatever you want. The fact is that we're loyal. The one thing you can say about Mets fans is that insane in the membrane or not, Mets fans are loyal. And most importantly, there's no such thing as a bandwagon Mets fan because since the Mets never win, you can't say you jump on the Mets bandwagon, sir. You could just say that you're not a Met fan like I did for a couple of years, but uh, in the end, you're always a Met fan when you're, you know, like DG said. I mean, it's not like you're. Uh, this is a great team that wins championship after championship, so you can't be a bandwagon jumper on a team that's not good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not. I mean, th- there's, there's absolutely, there has to be. I'm, I'm convinced there's got to be some intelligent Yankee fans out there, but for the most part, I think that. Um, New York fans tend to be a bit on the unrealistic side. The Yankees want their guys to always win and to never lose. And if they lose one game, the season's over. And the Mets, you know, they think that they're, uh, you know, they're gonna that uh, Jonathan Neeson, uh, 
Dylan G are going to be in contention for the Cy Young every year. So, you know, what can we say about that? And from those two callers, we have another caller here on the line. You were live on the air with Pure Gold. Uh, Kristen, how are you doing? Hi, guys. How hey, is the most insane Mets fan on the planet? Are you still on that Harry Potter? Listen, I don't understand how people could like a team and then say that they're not going to go anywhere. I mean, even if you have to lie to yourself. Like I need to believe that they're gonna do something. You wait. You just you just said that you prefer that you lie to yourself. I mean, you got to be realistic. What, what about, <laughs> let me ask you this: What about the Kansas City Royals fans, whomever they may be? That that team never wins. The Pittsburgh Pirates haven't had a winning season in what 19 years. So I don't know if you can always say that you have to think your team is gonna win because you got to be realistic. The the Mets the Mets have a chance to finish over 500. Do the Mets have a chance at the wild card? Probably not because. I honestly don't think they have the talent. You, on the other hand, obviously think uh, that uh, the Mets can, can win it all. And obviously, you know, you got to go back to the Betty Ford Clinic because uh, they let you out too early. You want to know what my problem is? What is that? You know, like when you have a child and say the child misbehaves and is kind of a bad kid and you feel like if you love them so much and you give them all this love, it'll help them be better. That's how I feel with the Mets. <laughs> What? Like, Wait. I go with the stores. If I see Mets stuff, I have to buy it. Like, I can't turn – like, I went to 7-Eleven when um, it was beginning of baseball season, and they had all their Mets stuff out. You know, I was going crazy with it. I said, okay, I'm going to leave out one keychain. I went back the next day and got that keychain. Wow. I'm on the phone with yeah, the Bay Four Clinic, and I'm on the phone with the Bay Four <laughs> Clinic, DG, and uh, they have an extra room right next to Vic. Yeah, uh, you're you're going to Seven Eleven to buy Slurpees and Mets memorabilia. <laughs> it doesn't matter where I am. I have to buy. If I see something Mets related, I have to buy it. That sounds Holy more like you God. have a. That sounds more like you have a problem more than really a, a loyalty to your team. Now, on a realistic note, though, what did you think about the? Because uh, this obviously is not realistic. What did you think about the whole K Rod thing? Are you one of those whack job Mets fans who think that the Mets are actually <laughs> better off without Francisco Rodriguez? What do you think? <laughs> I think that you probably, judging by the call, you probably would think that they're better, and you probably think they're going to win the World Series, and uh, that when they go to the, that when they make it to the World Series, that the other team is going to forfeit. Okay, I personally did not like K. Rod, but that's like on a more personal level, not really baseball. For the Mets team, now we don't have our closer, so that's bad for us. But by trading him. I feel like it'll help us keep Reyes, who I think helps the team more than K. Rod did. Yeah, I, I agree with that. What about you, sir? What do you think, Mr. Uh, Jimmy? Uh, I agree with both of you, but I unfortunately am still calling the Betty Ford Clinic for Kristen <laughs> because she has lost it. Yeah, uh, definitely. But, Kristen, I mean, how much do you think the Mets really saved in this deal? They ended up giving out, what was it, uh Five billion they had to pay the the Brewers for the rest of the year. I mean, yeah, they're saving some money, but is this really going to make an, a huge difference in terms of if they can re-sign Jose Reyes next year? The Mets may be the, the Fred Wilpon and Jeff Wilpon may be on the street, you know, collecting cans and bringing them to recycling for all we know, just to get some money. Yeah, pro- I mean, probably not. Um, who knows what the, you know the real reason for them trading him is? And I don't know. I was reading the post today, and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on, but um. What do you, do you guys think Beltran's going next? 
We definitely think that Beltran's going next. The question is, do you think that Beltran's going next? And do you think the Mets are actually going to get anything good back for him? Because, you know, like Mitch was saying, like Don was saying, like we said, there seems to be some high demand for him. What, what do you think? you think the Mets are going to get something good for him? I think so, too. Um, lately, yeah. I see, who wants the Giants, I think, want him, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, so I think I mean I think we will. I really honestly don't want to lose him either. Of course, with the way I am, I don't want to lose anybody on the team. You well, know, but yeah, because you love them, and because you said they're all like your children that you have to encourage and think that uh, they're, they're you know they're doing yes, a good job even when, they're, when they're failing out of school and they're uh, get you know getting expelled. You know who else goes to the Betty Four Clinic is uh, Mike. I always lick my hand, Pelfrey. Oh please, that guy—that's that, Kristen's favorite Met, and, and I think Mitch is also. As a matter of fact, I think he licked his hand and then shook Mitch's hand, if I'm not mistaken, at one point last year. I think he wants to lick Kristen actually next. Well, uh, let, let's not even let's not even bring that up, sir. But uh, Kristen, uh, let, let me ask you this—you know, before we—I uh, see you working up with her. Before we let you go back to your your rehab, uh, celebrity rehab, that is. Give us your, your uh, honest prediction. Do you think that Jose Reyes will be on this team next year? Yes, I do. Okay. I hear some children in the background there, so I don't know what's going on. But, Kristen, you know, we appreciate your call. As always, you know, you can call on the show. Uh, give us your, your take, whether it's wacky or whether we agree with it or not. But, uh, as always, it's a pleasure. And uh, you have yourself a wonderful evening. And go, uh, you know, go kiss your Mike Pelfrey poster before you go to sleep. <laughs> All right, guys. Good night. Good night, folks. That was the one only Kristen uh, calling us in. You know, and I have to say, Joe, you know, having uh, three callers a back to back and a belly to belly as I'm getting some some interesting uh, messages over here on, on the on the aim. Um, I have to admit that you know this, this show is just it's the best. There's there's no ifs ands or buts about it, sir. It seems like Pure Gold Extra has been all Mets talk, and just the way we like it, coming out of the All-Star break with, you know, K-Rod getting traded, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the second half is going to bring. Yeah, I agree, sir. Now, being that we've uh, we've pretty much beaten this horse to death, let's uh, let's move on to some wrestling talk, sir, before we, uh, before we wrap up this show. Um, of course, we can talk Mets all day, but I want to mention two things to you, sir. We're going to mention TNA real quick before we end up getting into – some uh, some WWE, but I was reading this over on uh, one of my wrestling websites, and you know there's there's a couple of positive TNA notes that I have here for a change. Um, apparently, uh, Sting, the one and only, was profiled on ESPN.com this morning, which is always a a, a nice thing to to see because truthfully, when it comes to TNA, there's usually not much good out there, and you know in terms of their reputation and whatnot. But, you know, obviously how great Sting is, he's one of the all-time greats, one of the greatest ever, as I would say, top 10. You would say top 50 probably because you're a tool. But it's cool because, you know what, even though we don't watch TNA or Impact Wrestling, it's a nice rub for the company to mention him on ESPN, sir. It is. I mean, I wonder how much TNA paid ESPN for that because it baffles my mind how ESPN would ever profile a wrestler on their show. Yeah, well, again, it's ESPN.com, so... uh, ESPN.com, so um, it's not the quote-unquote, the, the regular TV shows, but it's obviously some mainstream coverage, and the guy who spoke to him, I believe his name was Robert Flores, 
actually seemed informed, like he knew what he was talking about, like he knew what the deal was, which is a plus because, you know, normally you have these guys cover wrestling and it's a joke. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, somebody asked me yesterday if I liked wrestling because I was talking about the show. And I kind of chuckled and I was like, yeah, I'm a fan. And he's like, there's no need to be ashamed of it. That's a, that's kind of the thing with wrestling. It's almost like people are ashamed of being a wrestling fans. But this guy, for example, he covered it. He talked about it. It's nice little mainstream media. The funny thing was they were pushing the Bound for Glory pay-per-view, sir. That's in October. But it, it is, of course, um, it is of course their WrestleMania, sir. It is. And um, I, I, I didn't get a chance to see Destination X. I know uh, Mike, I'm always right, Jones ordered it and was asking us to attend this pay-per-view. But I heard that was actually a good pay-per-view, too. Uh, the, some of the matches, according to even like uh, our, our good buddy uh, Justin LeVar, some of those matches were really good. So I think the, the pay-per-views are getting a little bit better. I agree with that, too. That was actually my next note. Um, you know, like you said, it was the, the Destination X pay-per-view last week. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I noticed, they signed a former ROH superstar and former TNA star, Austin Aries. Um, you know, he competed in the pay-per-view. He won a Fatal 4 among some other indie talent like Loki and, uh, and Jack Evans. Um, <laughs> Bruce Pritchard, who's better known as Brother Love, <laughs> I love you. He, um, he was quoted as saying that there are many new and former X Division names that are being considered to get re-signed or signed, and that there's a lot of uh, talent evaluations that are ongoing, sir. To me, it's great news because the X Division was a TNA staple, and they really have gotten away from it, sir. They have, and um, it's good to see that they are about the X Division again. I, I'm not sure exactly how you know how long this is going. This whole promotion about where in where wrestling matters, and they're calling it Impact Wrestling, especially when you have you know Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff taking um, you know still getting some airtime as much as they do. So uh, it was refreshing to see that they actually had some good matches at their pay per view. It'd be interesting to see. I don't think they'll ever be able to compete with the WWE, though, DG. I mean, some of the wrestlers I would love to have over there in the WWE because that's what I watch. But then again, like if AJ Styles, for example, went over to the WWE, he'd end up being like Daniel Bryan, just lost in the mid-card. I agree. That part of it, sir, is unfortunate because obviously AJ Styles is the phenomenal one. He's uh, extremely talented. And he needs to be, you know, I don't know if I'd put a world title on him right away, but he definitely needs to be up there, sir. And, you know, but what what really baffles my mind, though, I guess this is kind of the uh, negative connotation when it comes to uh, to TNA, is if they're trying to rebuild the X Division, how the hell did they get rid of Jay Leaf in the first place, sir? I don't understand that. He was a top talent in that division, and they didn't let him go. Explain that to me, sir. <laughs> that baffles my mind, too. I don't know what happened there behind the, you know, behind the scenes. We don't know what really happened if, if there was a falling out or whatever, but you're right. And, uh, you know, having Abyss carry that X-Division title into the pay-per-view didn't make any sense to me either because he's definitely not an X-Division wrestler. <laughs> no, he's not. But it's kind of like the old, uh, you know, it's like the Cruiserweight when they have uh, bigger guys holding the Cruiserweight title. It's just, it doesn't make any sense there. No, it doesn't. But then again, when does wrestling, or especially TNA, when does any of that make sense? Um, right. Aside from that, though, sir... Let's uh let's get into some some WWE talk. Um, sure. You know we we have the Money in the Bank pay per view coming out. <laughs> we have the Money in the Bank pay per view coming out on Sunday, and uh, as we fill up some time here, <laughs> um, you've got this whole situation with John Cena and CM Punk. But before we get into that, sir, would you were you checking out some uh, possible YouTube videos this week from the one and only Mister Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Yeah, it seems like this feud between Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and John Cena, John Cena, 
John Cessna is over the <laughs> internet these days. I mean, they're they're cutting promos on YouTube. They're tweeting at each, at each other. It's a it's funny to see that this this feud is more done over tw- over Twitter or, and YouTube. DG and the latest uh, rock video is classic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> they, you know what they needed to honestly, they needed to um, fill that bad boy up. They needed to put that on TV. They needed to get that airing because that was some classic rock promo, some some goodness from The Rock is always, you know, it, it's interesting to me because uh, The Rock obviously cuts the skating promo um, put on YouTube. He literally rips in a new one from pillar to post, and he tossed in some, uh, what should I say, um, some interesting jokes as he always does, some references, and John Cena uh, mentioned Glad, and, you know, it. It we talk about the, the Attitude Era, and the Attitude Era was all about kind of saying what you feel and not, not giving a, you know what, about anything or what anybody thinks, but it seems that now we live in a society where anything you say is gonna can and will be used against you, and people are gonna rip you. Whether it's the, uh, you know, the the community of the uh, like Glad, for example, um, that that um, that organization, and you know, Rock makes his comments, so maybe that's why they didn't put it on TV. But regardless of what, Rock still makes those comments when he's on TV, sir. But you know, he talked about how Cena is an employee of the WWE, and he's in it for the money. When the Rock comes out, he's not an employee; he's just there for the love of the fans. Everything Cena does is rip him for not showing up, and Rock basically, you know, is defending himself for not showing up. Let's be honest here: The Rock had put many years into the company. He put, you know, he he made the the company what it is. He was a huge part of the reason why the WWE is as successful, excuse me, successful as it is. You know, and Rock has a great movie career going. Let's be real. Cena's a clown. His movies stink. He's got nothing other than WWE. Let me ask you this, sir. If he's so concerned with not showing up on TV, why is he not ripping Triple H for never showing up on TV anymore? Well, you don't want to mess with the, uh, you know, the boss's son-in-law because he is next in line to run your company. So, uh, you know, you got to watch what you, uh, who you're ripping, when you're ripping. That's true. It just doesn't make sense to me because, you know, he's talking about not showing up, not showing up every week. And, you know, it's... Brock has a career, Trips has a career, and Trips' career is not on camera anymore. You know, what I'm really trying to say here is that I honestly think that Rock made, makes some valid points. He talks about how Cena's basically begging for the fans to like him by appealing to them with his whole, oh, I'm here every night, you know, I'm always here, I love you guys, and blah, 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 come and boo me. I, I kind of agree that his whole thing is basically appealing to the fans, appealing to, like, the, the lowest denominator because, like, oh, I'm here, look, I'm here, guys, you know, you notice me? It's almost like a kid getting attention, and men see through through garbage, uh, and that's what The Rock was saying, that real men see it. That's why they don't like him. That's why they're not fans of his, and you got to be 13 and under to really be invested in a John Cena story, sir, or, or John Cena's a character. What he's doing in the WWE is beyond stale, and the only good thing, honestly, after his whole feud with The Miz is what he's doing with CM Punk, sir. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that would make sense is, like, you know, you have... The Rock going into WrestleMania, and there's no doubt about it, he's going to go in as the face. So why not, like we said, I mean, we've said it time and time again, but why not turn John Cena heel on Sunday, and if anything, have Vince McMahon cost Punk the match, and, you know, have Cena go heel. That way you have a lot of heat between the two. You have a, a person that turned on the fans, John Cena, against The Rock, the people's champion. I mean, I think that that would even intensify the feud even more. Yeah, I agree with that, sir. You know, I'm looking, at, I'm checking out the uh, the blogs, the, the posts, and things people talking about the pay per viewing. Somebody mentions here that uh, that TMZ actually caught up with The Rock when they asked 
him about John Cena. He talked about President Obama, but when they asked him about Cena, he said, I have nothing to say about that Fruit Loop. I'm going to whip his you-know-what. And people are getting into arguments over being Cena fans and Rock fans. So, you know, got to love that. They're over on uh, Wrestling Commentary Central. But, you know, the truth is that Cena's stale and that WWE needs to do something special. And let me ask you this, sir. Do you think we're going to get that special moment this Sunday at the pay-per-view? I hope so. I mean... It'd be a huge letdown if, like, like I said, if Cena wins a match clean. I mean, it would make no sense. I think you know me and you would be turned off by wrestling again. And I know that you know I'd have to hide the women, the kids, and uh, your shoes because I guarantee that TV won't be up for much longer after you know if John Cena does win that match clean. So let's hope that there is something drastic. Let's hope for a great finish and hopefully. You know, if at the very least, let's hope that John Cena then wins the title. But if he wins it, wins it in a way that reminds us reminds us of 1997 with you know the whole Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart screw job. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I don't know if I, I mean I know Pyro mentioned. I don't know if I want a, a 97 Survivor Series style thing. I mean, have haven't that hasn't that been done to death, sir? I mean, it's only been happened. It's only happened once, really. Well. I'm talking about the idea of the screw, you know, the screw job. They've brought it up. It's happened. They've talked about it. Different things. They've tried to relive it. So I, I don't know. If, and personally, I don't know if I'd want that. But I think what's probably going to happen. I mean, what I what I would like to happen, sir, is that Cena loses the title, Punk walks out with it, then maybe does some defending on the indie circuit or shows up with it, you know, keep the storyline going. But instead of the the spinner, he shows up with maybe the winged eagle or the undisputed title, something to, you know. To show some respect to the lineage of the talent and get rid of the spinner once and for all, sir. But what's probably going to happen, this is, you know, the safe bet. Cena will lose to Punk. Punk will walk out of the match with the title. But then later on, uh, Alberto Del Rio or something, or maybe even at that moment, Alberto Del Rio will come out and, and somebody will cost him the title and Del Rio will end up leaving with the title. So that way Cena doesn't, um, Cena can keep his job because Punk didn't walk out of the building. What would be great, though, is if Punk wins and then Vince sends the, sends somebody like a Del Rio or Miz or whoever wins the, the title the title match to come out and for the first time ever the Money in the Bank winner loses and then Vince stares on in disbelief and Punk keeps the title. <laughs> that would be great. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to the match itself. Not the match itself. I'm looking forward to see what happens and hopefully we're not in for a letdown because. You know the fans don't deserve another letdown. I, I think you'd really turn off the fans like us if the, if there was nothing other than like you know if if Punk wins. I mean it it really opens the door to so many different things. And you know there's speculation that John Cena actually needs some time off, but you know Vince is not sure if he could pull that trigger because John Cena is the main staple of the WWE right now. So um, I don't think they've even decided DG. I think they'll probably decide on Sunday how they want that match to go. Well, we know if Earl Hebner is in the building, uh, even though he works for TNA, <laughs> for TNA you, you know something bad is going to happen. But uh, but aside sure. from that, Sarah, you know we're we're definitely um, looking forward to this pay per view. Do you know yet if you'll be showing up to the house, or, or am I going to wait till uh, seven fifty nine to hear from you? No, hopefully you'll know by like you know one or two p.m. that day. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, sir. Do you think any chance of the spinner is uh, is lost forever after this Sunday? Oh my God, that 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 alone. I mean, I'm rooting for Punk just to get rid of that spinner and the fact he called him out on it. I mean, I'm really hoping that Punk wins it and gets rid of that. I, I want the undisputed title back. 
the spinner has like you know I hope sales are so down that they decide to get rid of that spinner belt because it's a travesty on that's considered that you know that's considered your world heavyweight title. I mean compared to like you know we like the TNA titles, the world titles that they've had the last couple times, and you know this spinner belt has got to go definitely. I don't think that um, I honestly don't think that that would be the case, sir. But you know we'll we'll, we'll see what happens because obviously the, the sales aren't going down. Kids love that belt. My nephew, as a matter of fact, has it, and people just love to have that that uh that world title. But you know what? You don't need it. You can still sell it. They still sell the old uh, Intercontinental title and the old Tag Team titles. You don't need to have that title on the champion to to necessarily sell the belt. But get a new one in there. Get that undisputed. Redesign the title. Do something. You know, something different. Something out of the ordinary. Because I think most fans are sick and tired of that stinking belt, sir. I agree with you. So. Folks, as we uh, as we wrap this part of the uh, the show up, as we wrap up this, uh, you know, let me ask you. Uh, I know we we kind of touched on this before, but give give us some predictions. Uh, give us some predictions, sir. Who is going to walk out, sir? Who is going to walk out with the World Heavyweight Championship, in your opinion, my man? Oh, between Christian and Randy Orton. Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, again. If Christian doesn't beat Randy Orton in this pay-per-view, I don't see how Christian ever gets a title shot ever again. So I think it's time to give Christian the title again. I don't know how they're going to play it out. Maybe Sheamus interferes and they start a feud between Sheamus and Randy Orton. Um, Not sure, but then again, the Money in the Bank match, you never know who wins that on SmackDown and then decides they might want to cash in that night. Um, They're not going to pull it. You said off the air, sir, you think Daniel Bryan's going to win the uh, SmackDown? Yeah, I think if Daniel Bryan does win the the SmackDown Money in the Bank match, he's not going to cash in that night. I don't know when he will, but uh, I don't really see that happening. But I I do see Christian finally taking that title off of him, either, again, by a Sheamus interference or something wacky where this feud still goes on. Because I I don't see Christian getting another title shot after this if he loses. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with that, sir. And you think that, of course, uh, you'd say Del Rio's going to win the uh, Raw title? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, the Raw Money in the Bank match is not that strong. I don't, I don't see many guys having a shot at it, and I think Del Rio only makes sense for him. I mean, yeah, he did get the upper hand against all the participants last Monday on Raw, but I think that he's the only guy that makes sense to win the Money in the Bank for the the Raw match. I agree with that, sir. And of course, we're hoping that Punk will. We'll both predict that Punk is going to win the title. But, sir, let's uh, you know, let's wrap this puppy up. Let's wrap up this show. We have one more segment to go, and that would be the one and only, the incomparable. And this is something that we've been waiting a very long time for, sir. This should be the last time you hear this music. Hey, Ross. And since that was the last time, I had to let it play before I introduced 
the fourth, fifth, or sixth member of the Pure Gold team, Hans. How are you doing, sir? I'm a little taken aback since I didn't get the memo telling me that this was the last Smallville view. I would have prepared myself a little bit better if I would have (laughs) known. In terms of discussing the characters, really, I think that we pretty much tapped this out, sir, unless you want to talk about Bug Boy from season one and then, you know, break down the, the worst characters on the show. But in terms of the main staff, the people that we love the most, today we're going to talk about no. probably our favorite character ever, Joe's favorite character ever, even more no. than Clark, even more than Pete. I'm sorry, Pete. No. Even more than uh, Jonathan, even more than anybody, Lex or Lionel, the one and only. Mike. Cut his mic. I think I'm, you know, as a matter of fact, I think I'm going to cut uh, Joe's microphone. The one and only Pete Ross, sir, talk to us. About the greatest character in Smallville history, Pete. Oh, boy. <laughs> you just said it all. The greatest character in Smallville history. Comics, movies, Smallville. Doesn't get any better than Pete Ross. Oh, you know, they should have had a spinoff called The Pete Ross Show, where Ross ends up getting superpowers and not through stride gum. But, uh, you know, I know that Joe is going to start crying and screaming and going crazy, but... What what would you say on a serious note? Why were you such a big fan of Pete, sir? Well, Pete was his only friend. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he had Chloe and Lana and Whitney on and off when they weren't fighting over Lana. But Pete was such a, a good character to have, to keep around. Um, and as far as the actor, I mean, Sam Jones the third, uh, he's pretty good. He he's a pretty good convincing Pete. Well, yeah. there isn't really much to play off on as far as Pete. I was gonna say that other than Joe's impressions of Pete when he's home, you know, with his daughter, I don't I don't see how much uh I don't see how much uh you know what you can compare it to, but uh Joe, g- give us your take on Pete. What did you think about the greatest Marvel character? I mean, I think after the first episode I would have killed him off. <laughs> You need to tell me where your unnatural hatred of Pete Ross comes from, sir. You you have to explain it to me. I mean, Pete Ross is just a character that, to me, yeah, I mean, he was Clark's only friend, but I think that the only reason why he was Clark's only friend is because he knew that in the end the guy would be wearing blue tights, and he was jealous of that. Really? So you're saying that if your best friend uh, was wearing blue tights, you'd be jealous of him, just like Pete? Is that what it is? Can you relate to Pete? Is that like an inferiority complex we're talking about here, Joe? Is is that what, is that what we're discussing? I mean, are we really are we really sinking to that level? No, I'm just wondering how the producers decide that Pete Ross would be the last character on the last Smallville view of Pure Gold Extra. I don't I don't understand that. I was in the meeting. I demanded not to talk about Pete Ross, and I I I, I just don't understand it. What, what you know, does I think, your hatred I think come I'm from? Gonna have I, really... to, I gotta cut his mic. I'm sorry, Joe. You're, you're, you know what? You're muted. I'm sorry. We got a producer. We cannot have this. We can't have him bad mouthing Pete because there's no way that you're gonna sit here. Look, Joe. The fact is that the reason Hans and I like him so much is because Pete was really his only normal friend. You know, he was the first person to, to he confided his secret to in the comics. That's his best friend. And he really had such a big role in the show for the first three years, and then the way he was written off unceremoniously was just terrible. And we know that uh, Sam Jones the Third has gone and made some some bad decisions, but uh, you know I'm sure you can relate to bad decisions, Joe, because that's pretty much you know you're, you're, uh, that's pretty much your whole teenage years and some of your adult years. But 
Pete was an excellent character. He was he was better. He, Clark was always saving him. They always had a you know buddy buddy relationship. And then Pete gets kicked off the show and comes back for that horrific Stride Gum episode. I think that's the only reason you hate him so much, sir, because you remember that Stride Gum and you absolutely hate it. Yeah, that must be the reason. What do you think, Hans? What do you think about Joe's irrational hatred of Pete Ross? I just want an explanation, is all. And I'm sure all the PG listeners want some sort of explanation why you hate Pete so much. <laughs> Thank God this is pure gold extra, not PG. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, really, this is just a, a regular Thursday show. We just haven't done it for a couple of weeks, obviously, <laughs> as evidenced by the time. But uh, aside from that, sir, um, Hans, what would you have done differently with the Pete Ross character other than it, you probably would have made him uh, Superman, but what else would you have done differently with his character, sir? I would have I would have kept him around. I would have gotten rid of Chloe and kept Pete around because that's what they essentially did. They got rid of Pete and kept Chloe, and Chloe just took the spot of Pete, became his best friend, the go-to person, uh, the person who knew his secret and could handle it, and that role should have just went to Pete. I'm guessing the only reason they kept Chloe on is because of the whole um, love triangle thing they had going on throughout all ten seasons of the show. And <laughs> But I would have just gotten rid of her. I would have gotten rid of her, and I would have kept Pete there and had his his character progress with Clark, being being the one to push him into wearing the costume or, you know, like he was doing towards the end uh, of his run on the show, getting in trouble, putting Clark in awkward positions as far as uh, being his friend and his savior, I guess. Um, It would have made for an interesting show if he always had to, or not always, but, you know, in some episodes had to choose between saving him and Lana or him and Lois, it would have made for good TV instead of a love triangle that lasted 10 years. I agree with that, sir. And speaking of Sam Jones, the actor, um, I thought you might find this interesting. I'm sure Joe would love this. I, I, I know Joe wanted him to get 20 years in prison, but apparently the judge decided that Sam Jones would only get 366, not 365, 366 days in federal prison. He received leniency from the judge, who was probably the judge in the Roger Clemens case, due to uh, the minor role that he played in this plot of telling, you know, 10,000 oxycodone pills. I think Joe, you know, I finally realized what the problem is, Hans. Joe was trying to get some pills from him, and Pete refused. So that's why he hates him so much, because Joe had to go somewhere else, and the the, uh, dealer was twice as high. The price was just out of Joe's range, and he couldn't get his stuff, so he was forced to go clean. I think the Did judge it? was also a Pete Ross fan of Smallville, and that's why he only got 366 days. I mean, wasn't there a part of Smallville where Pete Ross's friendship turned into jealousy, and that really started to destroy the friendship between the two? Yeah, that was towards the end when he was getting into trouble, when he was racing cars hooked up on kryptonite or something. Or Special K, as I like to call it. Um, Is that what happened with you? Uh, did you get jealous of Clark's fame and, you know, it turned to hatred? Are you, you trying to take it out on Pete? 
no, not at all. I just don't understand how they could turn. You, you, you guys are in love with the fact that this is guy. This should have been Clark's <laughs> friend throughout the end, and then they just turned him on him. They, they made him like jealous of the guy, and I don't understand it. Yeah, he was well, going to be his best friend. But all friendships go through that at some point or another. Well, I mean, huh. take DG. He's he's always been jealous of me, and you know, oh. he's had his moments. <laughs> now, uh, sorry, Joe. You gotta excuse me. Sorry, you now you're confusing me with your ridiculous asinine comments. Um, the fact that you gotta understand, Joe would need to have a friend in the first place for him to understand all about those situations. <laughs> and being that you, Hans, are the Lex Luthor in this situation, I don't even know where you get off talking about Pete Ross. The truth is that. Joe is just Joe is just a, a tool. That there's no other way around it. He just hates people who you know try to make a name for themselves, try to make a dollar out of fifteen cents. Joe is you know just the man trying to hold uh hold everybody down. There's no if ands or buts about it. Joe, you gotta understand that we're coming into this as fans of the comic book. So yeah, the the show isn't exactly like the comics, but Pete Ross was a constant. Pete Ross getting eliminated from the show, not even graduating with him, and just disappearing, and Clark being forced to pal around with you know crazy women, it, it, it kind of took away from the show. And again, I know in your real life situation, you could care less. You're all about the money. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, it took a little bit away from the show. All right. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, Pete Ross, I, if you want to follow the comic book, I don't believe Pete Ross was an African-American, was he? No, he wasn't an African-American, but he was Clark's best friend. So are, is it, and are you going to turn this into a racial debate? Are you going to show your true colors here? Or, I mean, are we going to have to <laughs> shut pure gold down because, uh, you know, some uh, racial tension we have going on here? No racial tension. I'm just saying that if you want to follow the comic books, they would have made him out to be the real Pete Ross and not some person that he wasn't. They needed diversity <laughs> on the show. Yeah, I think that's the whole thing, you know. It's like uh, it's like when the shows are mostly male dominated, they they have to throw some women in there, so they they toss those characters in there. I guess that's the only reason. It's the same thing, you know. You have like the, the token black guy on on a specific, in an all white show. It's the same thing. I mean, Smallville apparently had no African Americans other than Pete Ross and his family because once they left, the only other guy I think who ever showed up in Smallville was Cyborg, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Because other than that, everybody is pretty much uh, purebred, uh, you know white America as uh, Joe would represent that uh, majority, sir. <laughs> Is this Pete Ross segment over? <laughs> no, actually, we're going to extend another uh, 43 minutes to end this show just talking solely about Pete Ross and the contribution that he made to uh, modern America and modern civilization and, of course, the uh, the movement of racial equality in the United States. Yeah, now that we've pretty much killed Smallville and we've broken it down to its core, you know, which is, you know, obviously not a... All about a, Pete. The core yeah, all about Pete. Pete. Now it's finally to give us, it's finally time to each of us give our final thoughts on Smallville, give it a final grade, overall product, A, B, C, D, or F. I, I want to know, what, since, since we ended this on a sour note for you, Joe, I'm curious to see what your grade on the Smallville is. I'm going to go with the B. Even though Pete was on the show and you hate Pete's guts? Well, Pete wasn't on the show the last couple of seasons when it was really bad. So, I mean, they they finally got one thing right. They had to get Pete off the show because Clark had progressed in his own way. So you're telling me that you, you just admitted the show got really bad when Pete left. That's basically, Hans, did, did you just hear that? Because that's what I just heard. I, I just heard that. It's good to I'll know you, to you finally... <laughs> 
<laughs> it's good to know you finally admit it, sir. Uh, Hans, what about you? What grade would you give the show? I I agree with Joe. I would give it a B. Yes. All right. I would I would have to, I would have to say I agree disagree with both of you, and I would have to give it a big old F because there was no Pete on the show for the last seven seasons. So that alone takes it from an A plus to an F minus because, as a matter of fact, I give it a zero. I, I give it an incomplete, as in incomplete. Because without Pete, the show just suffered on all levels. You know, yeah, Clark was the main character, but Pete was really the backbone that held the show like glue. I mean, I'm sure Hans would agree with that. (laughs) I'm sure he would. (laughs) In hell. On a serious note, I I understand. I think I'd give the show a C because, you know, the ending of the the season, per se, was great. But there's so many ups and downs and negatives. The way they ended, every character was terrible. The way they ended Lex... Uh, I mean, they brought him back at least for four seconds in the finale, which was nice. But the way Lana ended was awful. The way Pete ended was awful. The whole Supergirl thing was awful. What they did with Whitney was awful. Um, Killing off the dad was awful. The mother becoming some ridiculous, nonsensical senator was awful. Why did you watch the show if you thought it was so awful then? Well, because I I love Pete, and I was hoping he'd come back at some point, honestly. Somebody's got to cut this guy's (laughs) mic. Oh man, no, you know what? I mean, there was just some there was some bad moments, but there was also some good moments in Justice League. The way that they handled Clark, uh, you know, ultimately finally getting to to fly. Yeah, it took too long, but ultimately the payoff was so great. The fact that the show made Superman relevant, the fact that it made him interesting to somebody like me who doesn't like Superman at all. You know, I was there was a lot of pluses to the show also. I mean, Lois Lane, Erica Durant's her portrayal was amazing. Tom Welling as an actor was amazing. I mean, there's a lot of good things. Uh, Jonathan Kent was a great actor. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum was an amazing Lex. Uh, John Glover was a tremendous Lionel. There was so much good acting that, to me, it, it brought the show above and beyond. I guess, you know, I, I guess I give it a C because I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle based on the great acting and some of the terrible stories. So I'd give it a C plus, possibly a B minus. Uh-huh. All right. I mean, what else can you say about Smallville? I think. I mean, how long has it been off the air now? For about two months? Yeah, I think it's about. been off the air for about two months, sir. Yeah, and we're still talking about it, so I think we beat this one down to a dead horse. As we always do here on Pure Gold. So, Hans, do you have any closing thoughts on uh, Smallville? Since, uh, you know, we I mean, we could always bring up something at some point in the future, but I think we've pretty much beaten this now, like Joe said, to the ground. Like, I'd like to beat him to the ground for hating a beat. Uh, it was great while it was on, even though, like you said, it had its moments where it sucked. Like, the, I believe, what was it, the third season? The whole witches thing? Oh, awful. Horrible. Absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. But, you know, like any show, for ten years, it's going to have its ups and downs. It can't stay on a high note for all, all those years. So, I loved the show for what it was what it brought to the table, the some of the slight differences they 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 took with the character, but in the end I love the show, so I would love to see a reboot by this September. Hopefully. Oh boy. Yeah, that that would be great. Um <laughs> Hans, as always a pleasure. Thank you for calling in turn. Of course we'll continue with our movies and our, our goodness next week. All right. Thanks for having me on. All right, sir. Night. Folks, that was the one and only Hans joining us. And Joe, as we wrap this puppy up, is there anything else you'd like to say before 
I tell the audience about all the amazing guests that are coming up on Pure Gold? Well, you know, tomorrow premieres your your favorite movie in the world, Harry Potter, or actually premieres tonight at midnight, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, which should be a good three and a half hours of great action. The movies, the series are finally over. Yeah, it's about that. Um, it's still, it's still, it's still about that. Yep. So we got that that I'm going to be doing this weekend. Um, and oh, yeah, that's about. I, I would expect nothing less from you, sir, than to be watching a Harry Potter movie for uh, five years. Yep. And fingers crossed that I will be at DG's to watch Money in the Bank Sunday night. We'll see what happens. Yes, we definitely will. And folks, we would like to thank you all for listening to the show. We'd like to thank you for following us. And of course, I gotta thank uh, the one and only. Dominic from Hicksville for calling in. I thank Mitch from Fort Lee for calling in and Kristen from an undisclosed location from for calling in. We really appreciate them as they're the loyal fans of the show that they are. And, of course, before we go, I have to mention, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that Pure Gold has a ton, and I mean an absolute ton of exciting guests coming up soon. On Tuesday, we will have the one and only Miss USA 2010, Rima Faki, former WWE uh, Tough Enough contestant, She's going to be joining us the next Thursday. We're going to have Matt Walsh, the newest member of the IWF. He was just signed recently, and he actually spent some time in uh, the WWE's FCW a couple years back. He was with them. So Matt, who is, uh, you know, goes by the model athlete, is going to be joining us. He was Joseph Canterbury in FCW. If you'd like to check some of his stuff out, the following third, uh, excuse me, the following Tuesday, which would be the 26th, we're going to have Mike Vaccaro, writer for the New York Post. We're hoping to finalize uh, Sal Licata, former uh, producer of the Mike Francesa show, and, of course, uh, current uh, sports personality on SNY. He's in the books possibly joining us. Uh, we'll get back to you on that in the, in the nearest future possible. Um, the 28th, well, that Thursday, we're looking forward to having him on, on that episode of Pure Gold. And the following Tuesday, which will be August 2nd, we have Neil Best of Newsday Locked and ready to unload, folks. This is pure gold, and the only way we know how to do it, strong style. We have a ton of guests, and we'd like you to be a part of it and calling in and sharing your thoughts, as always. Folks, for JB, this is DG of Pure Gold, reminding you to always keep it PG and remind you to tune in on Tuesday for Rima Faki. Good night, everyone. <laughs>